Hello and welcome to Megalopolis, a brother, a sister, and our American cities. The podcast filled with facts where we ramble on about urban areas. Hello, my name's Ezra. And my name is Indigo. And I'm the brother, she's the sister. Yep. You'll hear us being referred to as Ez, I'm Ez, she's Indy. Yep. Those are our nicknames. And, yeah, if you're wondering about our name, Megalopolis, <laughs> you would be incorrect if you were thinking that it went extinct with the dinosaurs 66 million years ago. Because a megalopolis... It's not a dinosaur. Yeah, it's not a dinosaur. A megalopolis is a major urban area. Or, or a, a city. city! So, ironic thing is, is that we live in a town with... With about like, a thousand people. But that's only when the ice cream shop is open, so. When on a dead-end road with, like, one neighbor up yeah, the road. pretty much. <laughs> and so we don't have much experience with cities, but we do know how to research them and, and to share our info with you. Yep. So, so without further ado, let's go. Our megalopolis of choice today is Philadelphia. The city of brotherly love. And we sort of have a connection to this city because our aunt lives and works there. Our grandma was born and lived there. And we visited many, many, times. many, many times. Yeah. So we sort of have an attachment to it. And today, um, our episode's broken down into some segments. We have fast facts, um, some history about the city. We have um, two, notable people. Yeah, two notable people that lived here. And two secret topics that we haven't told each other about yet. But we'll get to that later. First, it's Fast Facts. Okay, so the city we chose is Philadelphia. The nickname is Philly. The location is southeast Pennsylvania between the Delaware and Schuylkill Rivers. Schuylkill River. (laughs) Schuylkill River. Um, The founder is William Penn. Good old Billy. Good old Billy Penn. And the major attractions are Independence Hall, Liberty Bell, the Philadelphia Museum of Art, and the Philadelphia Zoo. The famous food, one of them is Love's, which is oh, yeah. <laughs> cheesesteaks. If you go to Philadelphia, cheesesteaks. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. First of all, there's a cheesesteak place usually <laughs> on every corner. And second of all, they're the best thing in oh, the eastern United States. The only thing better than <laughs> no. cheesesteaks is In-N-Out Burger. That's why it's the best thing on eastern United States, oh my not gosh. western. Well, as I was saying before I got rudely interrupted, was it's known for its cheesesteaks and soft pretzels. Yeah, soft pretzels were actually invented there. Yeah. It's a super random thing. But. Yeah. Now, next, Philly is a city of firsts. It is home to America's first zoo hospital, and medical school. Elfrith's Alley, which is right in the center of Philly, is the oldest inhabited street in the U.S., which, in other words, means it's the oldest street in America that is still lived in today. Philadelphia City Hall was the tallest building in the world. The tallest building today is eight times City Hall. Yeah, that the tallest building is the, currently is the Jeddah Tower in I don't know where the heck that is, but <laughs> City Hall was the tallest building until 1908. Yeah. Just, yeah, that's a cool fact. Okay, 
Philadelphia was the capital of the U.S. from 1790 to 1800. Yeah, it was the temporary capital. So when all of the founding fathers were arguing over where to put the capital, just for just for a time, they made it Philadelphia. Yeah. And now, as over to you with facts about sports teams in Philadelphia. So, um, I'll start it out with the Philadelphia 76ers. They're an NBA team. Okay. They have won three championships in 1955, 1967, and 1983. The Philadelphia Phillies, who my dad and I recently went to a game, and it was super fun. <laughs> there, they have won two World um, World Series. The last one in 2008. And the cool fact about them, they're the oldest baseball team in the U.S. that hasn't changed the location or the name of its team. No way. Yeah. The Wait, Phil- oldest oldest sports team or baseball, baseball team? team? Baseball, baseball team. team. Okay. The Flyers are the NHL team. They've hoisted the Stanley Cup trophy above their heads twice, a repeat in 1974 and 1975. The Eagles are the NFL team or the football team. They won the Super Bowl in 2018. And the Philadelphia Union, they are an MLS team, Major League Soccer. They were added to the league in 2010. They have never won a championship, but they made it to the semifinals last year. And they're looking great this year, so we're going to be cheering them on. Yes. And this wraps up Fast Facts. All right, let's head over to history. All right, so let's jump right into the history segment. And so we start out with good old Billy Penn. (laughs) And King Charles II, the current king of England, gave his late father, Admiral William Penn, um, he owed him, like, some debts, so he gave the land of present-day Pennsylvania and Delaware to um, Billy Penn. Whoa. He sailed over in 1881 to the New World and made, like, a haven for his fellow Quakers. A year later, he founded Philadelphia as the capital of his colony, and then he sailed upriver and sort of like just peacefully agreed with the Delaware Indians okay to purchase the land from them and like from then on the natives and the Pennsylvanians had a, g- a really good relationship completely peaceful and then after that the city just kept growing like pretty much due to its prime position on the two rivers the Delaware and the Schuylkill and it just became a major city in the US so during 1760-ish to, like, the end of the revolution, it became a hub for, like, the revolutionary ideas. Huh. And, of course, it was the HQ for the Continental Congress. Yep, the Independence first, Hall. Yep, with the first group meeting in 1774 inside the Pennsylvania State House, Which now is called Independence Hall. Yeah, and it was completed in 1756. And that building, it held the Pennsylvania Assembly, the Office of the Governor, and the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania. And two years later, in 1776, the delegates came back and signed the Declaration of Independence written by Thomas Jefferson in the same room. Thirteen years after that, they adopted the U.S. Constitution inside that building. That building is number 520 on Chestnut Street. Now, this is where we start to going into, like, the heyday of Philly. (laughs) Now it becomes the, the temporary capital of the U.S., and during the upcoming Industrial Revolution, Philly becomes the primary industrial city. 
it becoming was a hub massive. For, yeah, becoming a hub for manufacturing. This was like the heyday, yeah. So let's I'm gonna jump a while into the 1970s and 80s, which is when the dramatic Philly skyline started to take shape. Oh my. Fun fact, Philly is one of five U.S. cities with two buildings over 900 feet. The others are New York City, L.A., Chicago, and and Houston. 20 skyscrapers were built in those 20 years from 1970 to the end of the 80s. And now Philly has adapted to become a college town. There's this part of West Philly, and in there they have University of Pennsylvania, Drexel University, Temple, Thomas Jefferson University, Haverford College, LaSalle, Villanova, um, St. Joseph's University, just to name a few. And it's a real, Philadelphia nowadays is also a real tourist attraction with the Independence National Historic Park that includes the Liberty Bell, the National Constitution Center, and the Museum of the American Revolution. Wow. So that's it for the history. Yeah, that's it for history. But first, a quick advertisement. Note, this isn't a sponsorship, but we love this company. We would like to tell you about a coffee shop slash art gallery slash amazing place to be in nearby Houghton, New York. It's called Copaco. Let me tell you this. Their scones are out of this world. Yeah. And their hot chocolate? Mwah. Mwah. Decadent. Decadent. You should should definitely check this place out. And it's on Route 19, a.k.a. Genesee Street, in Houghton. And on Instagram at copa underscore co and online at copaco.com. Now, back to the podcast. So, we're going to be talking about two notable people that lived in Philadelphia. I'm going to be talking about Betsy Ross, who supposedly made the first flag. And I'm going to be talking about Benjamin Franklin, who... (laughs) Did a lot of things. Yeah. (laughs) So, Elizabeth Ross was born in Gloucester, New Jersey in 1752. Betsy's her nickname. Yeah. She was the eighth of 17 children, and only nine of them survived childhood, but we won't go into that. She grew up in a household where the Quaker religion dominated. After schooling in a Quaker-run state school, she went to work as an apprentice to an upholster named William Webster. Ben Franklin was born on January 17, 1706, in Boston, Massachusetts, and he worked as an apprentice printer in his brother's shop, but he hated it and eventually ran away to Philadelphia at 17. He worked um, there in Philadelphia as an apprentice printer, and then and he met someone named Deborah Reeds. He proposed to marry her, but because she was only 15 at the time. What? No way. Her mother said, no, she's too young to marry. Well, of course. Yeah, exactly. And from then on, and then he went, sailed away to London, where he worked as a printer. And after three years, came back. And they, and um, while he was away, Deborah married another man, but he just left her. So they, so Ben Franklin and Deborah got married and they took in Franklin's illegitimate child, William, and they had Francis and Sarah together. Francis, unfortunately, passed away 
when he was only four years old, I think, due to smallpox. Betsy Griscom, which, by the way, was her maiden name, met John Ross, who, fun fact, was a nephew of George Ross, who signed the Declaration of Independence. Whoa, that's cool. Yeah. Betsy and John got married and started their own upholstery business. Two years after their marriage, the Revolutionary War broke out, and John Ross went to war. He died in 1775. Mm. According to one legend, he was killed in a gunpowder explosion, but there are many other legends saying otherwise. In 1777, she married Joseph Ashburn and moved to Philadelphia. Three years later, his ship was captured by a Royal Navy ship and was charged with treason because he had British ancestry. In 1783, Betsy married John Claypool, and they had five daughters. Ben set up a club called the Junto, which was a club that um, it was a discussion club and a book club. And together, they started the first free library. Oh, my. So without Ben Franklin, no library. He started his own newspaper not long after, and he called it the Pennsylvania Gazette. Oh, and I heard he, about this. Yeah, he started a network of papers in the colonies, and by 1753, he was running eight papers across the continent. No With, with some in way. the Caribbean. No yeah. way. In 1733, he published Poor Richard's Almanac. <laughs> he invented the lightning rod, which wow. he did with, you know, the key and the kite. Yep. Um, the glass harmonica, the Franklin wood stove, and bifocal glasses which he made by cutting lenses and fusing them together. No way. Yeah. Franklin was an electricity pioneer. When when guests would come over, he would wow them by killing a turkey with electricity what? and roasting it on an electric spit. <laughs> and because of his um, work in electricity, he got honorary degrees from Harvard and Yale. Wow. He invented the concept of refrigeration. What? He did studies on meteorology, the Atlantic Ocean currents, and even composed his own music and started wow. the first volunteer firefighting department in Philadelphia. The first wow. one in the world. First, first one in Philadelphia. In 1751, he was elected to the Pennsylvania Assembly and two years later appointed Deputy Postmaster General of of. I'm pretty sure the the colonies. Oh, yeah. Wow. And then he helped found Columbia University, which was known back then as King's College and the University of Pennsylvania. He received honorary degrees from all of his studies. He received two more from Harvard and Yale, one from William and Whitmary, one from St. Andrews in England and Oxford in England. In the 60s and 70s, speaking of England, he spent most of his time there. His pet squirrel Mungo unfortunately died after being eaten by a dog in England. Okay, and here's the the funniest story. Oh, I love this. So, when we were in Philadelphia, not that long ago. Like, a month? Yeah. Yeah. He, we went to the Ben Franklin Museum. Which was, by the way, the coolest. Yeah, it was the best. You should definitely recommend it. And there was this big tree. So, (laughs) and we saw something fall from the tree, right? And it was gray and bushy. Yes. So we ran over. To investigate. And there's this squirrel, (laughs) petrified, lying on his back with his legs and arms splayed. And the funny thing was, he was still alive. You could see him breathing, but I think he was so shocked that he fell out of a tree. So we told a ranger, and 
and he he dealt with it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think the scroll was actually okay because I went back and I didn't see anyone come and get it. And we looked back after we were done the museum and the squirrel was gone. Yeah. So, yeah. But I, it's just ironic that he had a squirrel that died. And then we were at the Ben Franklin Museum and saw a squirrel that died. <laughs> well, I don't, we don't think it died. I don't well, think it died, at least. Maybe he died. Yeah. So then, this is now at 1776. Along with John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, he was appointed to design the Great Seal of the United States. And then, of course, he edited and signed the Declaration of Independence. And then he became the ambassador to France for, I think, 13 years. And when he returned, he became the president of Pennsylvania th- for three years. Wow. That was that was during the Articles of Confederation before we had our con- our Constitution. So that was when states elected their own government. Huh. Um, in 1787, he signed the Constitution. And unfortunately... He died three years later in on April 17th, 1790, aged 84, partly due to obesity and gout. Oh, my. Yeah, so he didn't die the best way, but he lived an incredible life. Okay, now let's rewind to 1776, right before her first husband had died a year before, and she was a young, lonely upholster. And suddenly, George Washington visits Betsy and asks her to make a flag. Imagine that, just being, like, a lonely person, you know, sewing random things, and in comes the general of the United States Army, and he asks you, we want you to make the flag. That would just be the craziest thing ever. Yeah, and so then Betsy... I'm sure her mind was blown. Yeah, she was probably shocked. Oh, yeah. So then Betsy responds, I am not certain if I can, but I'll gladly try. End quote. Yes. Then, June 14, 1777, Congress adopted the Stars and Stripes as our official flag. Betsy Ross died on January 30th, 1836, 60 years after the Declaration of Independence. Now, one last thing. Betsy Ross wasn't allowed to tell anyone about her making the flag because it could have gotten her in serious trouble with England. Yeah, like, um, if England had won the war, just, like, Imagine what the war, and they knew that she was the one who created the flag. She would probably get killed or sent in jail or something like that. Yeah, so she, that, that's why she kept it a secret, and that's why we're not a hundred percent sure because it, it was her grandchildren. Her that grand, revealed it after her she grandson, died. many years later, revealed the secret that she made the flag, and that's all we know. Yeah. So, just a legend. Let's head over to our two secret topics. Well, actually, before that. The Betsy Ross house. So she lived in this tiny space that was rented out. I think it had she, four bedrooms upstairs. She rented out rooms in and, this house. Yeah. So I think she only had two bedrooms. Downstairs, there's a big living area which she converted into her upholstery shop. There was a cellar, which was the kitchen. Yeah. And and the dining room. Yep. In the cellar, and there was a little parlor which which we um which Washington went into and there's you know like the picture there. The picture of a painting of him in the parlor, and there's, and you can like they they have a reproduction of that tile that's in the painting and stuff. That house, it's a really cool museum thing. You should definitely go. You can still go to it and tour inside, and you can see her grave, which is right outside. Yeah, that's a awesome thing to do. Yeah. Yep. Now, now we'll head over to our secret subjects. Ooh.
Okay, so we have each researched a secret topic that has something to do with the city of Philadelphia. We haven't told each other what we're doing, and we haven't re even read it to each other yet. So my secret topic is dragon boat racing. Whoa, what's that? Well, you'll find out in a minute. What's yours? My topic is going to be about the tallest buildings in Philadelphia. Oh, cool. All right, I really want to hear about what dragon boats are. All right, so dragon boats, they are a long, slender boat that holds 22 people. So, like, a canoe, but bigger. Yeah. Like a big canoe. Yeah, very long. Okay, there are three main roles on a dragon boat. There are 20 rowers who, well, row. Ten on each side. <laughs> yep, and then the drummer, who has a very important job. He sits at the front of the boat and beats the drum, so everyone rows at the same time. Oh, that's cool! But uh -huh. you have to be like good. You have to be like boom. Yeah, you have, you to, have be really to steady. You I have feel to keep like. the beat so that they stay on track. Yeah. Um, and then we have the captain of the boat who steers it, and he sits in the back. So racing these particular Wait, water. And how does he steer? Does he have like an oar or or is it a rudder? It's a rudder that he okay, moves. Okay. Yep. And then um. So, racing these particular watercrafts dates way back 2,000 years in the valleys of southern China. Mm. It continues to be very popular in China, especially Hong Kong. They okay. raced quite, they still race quite frequently. Then, in 1983, a Hong Kong tourist asked the U.S. to send a team, all expenses paid. Long story short, the U.S. team was quickly made, and they shipped a boat from Asia and practiced every day in the Schuylkill River in Philadelphia. Yeah, we drove right by that. Uh-huh. Then they went to Hong Kong and lost. <laughs> Ever since then, the U.S. has been dragon boat racing, but it's most popular in Philadelphia. To this day, dragon boaters still race in Philadelphia, and it is a quite popular event. So from 2,000 years ago in southern China to present day in the Schuylkill River in Philadelphia, I think we can all agree that dragon boating has come a long way. Now That's I'm, so cool. Yeah. Now I'm going to read you a short story called Gung Ho. It's a story about dragon boats written by Susan Hughes and illustrated by Jason Slowick. And I'm just going to read it. It was a cool, crisp October morning in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. The sun was shining, the sky was clear blue, and a light breeze rippled the water. The Schuylkill River sparkled like sequins. It was a perfect day for a dragon boat race. The team tents were lined up along the river with colorful team signs flying proudly. The team called Gung Ho was ready to race. They were having fun at their tent, watching and cheering the other racers, waiting patiently for their turn. When it was their turn, they got ready by putting on their water shoes, tying up their bandanas, and zipping up their life vests. As they walked to the dock to get in line for their turn, they started to sing their song. We are gung-ho, and everywhere we go, people want to know who we are, so we tell them gung-ho. When they arrived at the starting post, they stood in a circle and began their stretches, so they wouldn't hurt their backs and shoulders. They stretched forward and backward. They stretched left and right. It was their turn. They each grabbed an oar from the bucket on the dock and climbed on one at a time so the boat wouldn't tip over. They sat hip to hip, side by side, supporting each other as they began paddling the boat. This was their year to win. They were gung-ho to paddle harder and faster than ever before. When all the boats had paddled out and lined up, they waited for the starting gun to go off and start the race. Together, the boats shine like a rainbow on the river. 
the drummer commanded them to sit ready. Bang! The guns sounded and they were off. Fifteen fast, deep pulls and they, and then ten long, deep stretches. Their drummer sat in the front of the boat facing them, yelling encouragement. All together now! They saw the shore passing by and knew that they were going faster than ever before. Dig, dig, the drummer yelled. Good job, the steer person yelled from the back of the boat as she kept them straight on the river. The team was paddling so hard, so fast, that the boat felt like it was lifting out of the water. They looked down and suddenly saw the river far below them. They were flying. They kept paddling, but now in air and not in water. The river looked like a sequin scarf as it snaked below them. They were as high as the hot air balloon at the zoo. They flew over Boathouse Row and the Art Museum. Center Philadelphia came into view. Their boat went zigging and zagging through the buildings as their drummer yelled, Lean left! Lean right! Keep paddling! They passed by Billy Penn on top of City Hall and headed down Broad Street into South Philly. They could almost taste the cheesesteaks below. They flew over the stadiums where the Phillies and Eagles play. They flew over the stadiums where the Flyers and Sixers play. They leaned to the left and soared back towards the Schuylkill River. Towards the finish line, the team paddled faster and faster. Paddles up, the drummer yelled. Let it ride. They carefully drifted back down and glided over to the finish line ahead of the other boats to win the race. As they paddled back to the shore, their friends and family were at their tent, ringing cowbells and, and waving. The team sang their song. We are gung-ho, and everywhere we go, people want to know who we are. So we tell them gung-ho. It was a wonderful day. So gung-ho actually means, like, really enthusiastic and eager to that do something. That's a, that's a good name. Yeah. So now over to you with your tallest buildings in Philadelphia. All right. The first building I'm going to talk about is Independence Hall. Oh, yay. It was... As you know, the House for the Pennsylvania Assembly uh-huh. completed in 1748, and it was the tallest building what? in Philadelphia for six years at 134 what? feet. No. Well, yeah, because back then they didn't have, like, well, they had some steel, but they didn't have much steel or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. So it was true. all brick or wood or something. Next, we're going to talk about Christ Church, which was okay. completed in 1744. Uh, which is before Independence Hall, but the steeple wasn't at- added till 10 years later. Oh. And George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, and Betsy Ross all went to that church. Uh-huh. And it's an active Episcopal church today. And at 196 feet, it was the tallest building in America what? for a long time, tallest building in Philly for around 50 years. No. The one that passed it was the 10th Presbyterian Church, completed in 1856. It was 250 feet tall, 54 feet taller than Christ Church. So and people would go through Philly, and they would look at Christ Church and like in amazement at how tall it was. Maybe because there are lots of trees. Most mm-hmm. some trees were, were as tall as it. So Smart. it wasn't that impressive. It was really, um, yeah. So 10th Presbyterian Church was the tallest in Philly until 1894 when City Hall was completed. That was the impressive building. You can see you can see that from a while like from yeah. a, a long from a far away. It's 548 feet tall. That's more than double the previous tallest building. And it was the tallest building for almost 100 years. 
Wow. Until one Liberty Place came along in 1978 at 945 feet tall. And two Liberty Place, which is right next door, is 848 feet tall. Before then, there was like sort of an agreement that you're not to build higher than the statue of good old Billy Penn on the oh, top yeah. of City Hall. Yeah, that's so interesting. And one Liberty Place was the one that broke it. So, Liberty One was the tallest building for about 30 years until Comcast Center was completed in 2008. Okay. It's, it's the 23rd tallest building in America. Oh. So, it's actually... Wait, today? Yeah, today. Oh. And it's just pretty tall. Yeah, it's 974 feet tall, which is around 30, 20 feet taller than the Liberty One. 58 stories high. Huh. And the building has, this is a really cool fact, 35 elevators what yeah. how big is like wow it's, it's a big big building 35 yeah. like big hotels have like two so i'm exactly. trying to ma- imagine like a massive place with 35 elevators well they probably weren't all in the same spot because they probably different ones would go up to certain places yeah. and stuff like that um wait how how tall was that building it was 974 feet tall wow yeah and it looks like a USB flash drive. The oh. USB flash drive. Oh my goodness. And it was the tallest for 10 years until 2018 when Comcast Technology Center finished constru- construction. So the old, the previous tallest one was Comcast Center. The new one is Comcast Technology Center. Huh. Um, it was more than twice the height of City Hall at 1,121 feet. Um the tallest building in the U.S. It's the tallest building in the U.S. outside of New York City and Chicago. Huh. And there's even a hotel and a restaurant at the tippy top. So it's open what? to the public. Yeah, you can you can what? go in there and get food. Wow, that is... But it's at the top? Yeah, it's kind so of like you, space, so you have to, space Needle, sort of. So you have to go, like, way up just to get yeah, to a restaurant? Yeah, I think it's near to the top. It's near the top. That is funny. Yeah. It's really... It, so I guess that um wraps up my history of the tallest buildings in Philadelphia. And that concludes this episode of Megalopolis. It was really fun to create this and share it with you. And thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.